Hello, everyone. Welcome to the third episode of Weaving Myth Season 5. We're here to talk about tabletop role-playing games and everything related to playing them online. I'm Eric. And joining me tonight are Colin. Hello, everyone. And Lee. Howdy-do. We're all from Mythweavers, one of the largest play-by-post gaming websites in existence and home to the largest repository of online RPG character sheets anywhere on the web. As always, well, almost always, Weaving Myths airs live on Twitch on the first and third Saturdays. This is the second Saturday. Scheduling fail. We're here on the second Saturday today, and tonight we're joined by the impeccable Twitch chat. Hello, Twitch chat. So... Yeah, I was going to say, you put four colors in here? Four colors? Eh. Green's me. Okay. <laughs> Alright, so... We are, as we have been the rest of the season, in the season of the genre. So we are grouping games by form style or subject matter. Sorry, a genre is, in the case of gaming. Grouping the game by form style or subject matter to help promote shared understanding. Helps with advertisements, finding resources for the game, that sort of thing. Season 5 is going to cover a lot of ground, but in general, each episode will focus on a different genre. We're talking about the ins and outs of settings, the systems that lend themselves to particular genres, and most importantly, how that relates to play-by-post gaming. So, kicking off our third episode of the season, we are going to be going into soft science fiction. Eric? Yes. Because when we started talking about science fiction, Colin said, well, I don't do this a lot other than Stars Without Number. Give me that hard sci-fi. Right. So soft science fiction wasn't really his jam. So we brought in a professional author who writes science fiction. Most... Well, what you're talking about is not so much science fiction. It's more like space opera. I said, great. You can talk all about that. Thank you. Uh, but I'm going to give you just the, the general intro to sci-fi, uh, which is that it's settings that involve advanced technology or things that haven't been invented yet or an eye towards the future in general. Uh, a big takeaway of science fiction is that we're going to examine how that future state affects us as people or people in general or civilizations or advancement. Um, and when we talked hard sci-fi, we were talking about things like Minority Report or um, or even to a certain degree, Jules Verne, as in technologies that were kind of outside the bounds of, of what, uh, what was available at the time. Um, very relativistic, um, because Frankenstein was sci-fi when it was written. Um, now, as I said earlier, that line between what's science fiction and space opera and more space fantasy or science fantasy is really blurry. So I want to really throw it over to Lee here to help educate me as a consumer of all of these genres. Things that happens when you get a bunch of fantasy and science fiction authors together is that we inevitably get to the argument of what is the definition of science fiction and fantasy? How do they differ? Where's the line? And we never agree. So just throwing that out there to start with. Yeah, pretty much. You know, we're the people who actually write it and pretty much decide what is fantasy and science fiction, and we don't agree with each other. For the most part, the basic thing is if it has magic, it is fantasy, unless it's psionic powers, which are okay in sci-fi. Even if it's in the future, even if it's in space, whatever it is, if it's got magic, it's fantasy. Um, and then the difference in fiction between hard and soft sci-fi is really whether the tech 
is the central point or it's something else for the most part. It could be a soft science, softer science like uh, sociology or psychology or something like that. Or it could just be that it's actually about the human experience much, much more than it's about the tech. And people will argue what that means, but basically it's what's the centered thing. Mm -hmm. Is the tech the really important thing that makes it sci-fi or is it actually kind of in the background? Is it uh, just the stuff that's there? So, so that's Star where you Trek, get... as an example, would be kind of on the softer end of things because we don't focus on the fact that there's food replicators, they just exist. It's actually science fiction. It is slightly softer science fiction, but as compared mm -hmm. with Star Wars, which is science fantasy or space right. opera, which are kind of interchangeable, but not exactly, because they don't mean exactly the same thing, but they're close enough. Yes. Trust me, if you ever want to get lectured by an author, disagree on the definition of something in literature. Yes. Yeah. And then get a second author there and you have entertainment for hours. Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, you know, it takes really three. Three for yeah. hours of entertainment. With only yeah. two of us, you'd probably just get like one hour. Oh, noted. It, it made for some good... Si I'm the, the couple times I went to Gen Gahan, there were some great panel discussions about uh, fantasy literature in general. And we got all the way from Conan to um, like... Honor Harrington, and it was just complete opposite ends of that uh, that sci-fi type experience. So, mm, Honor the, the softer stuff is the stuff that more feels like it's not. You could put it into any setting, and it could still work more or less. Where the hard stuff, you really kind of have to be in that kind of a tech setting in order so for it to work. So it's it's worth noting that. Uh... We already went back and forth about, you know, definitions with, oh, you know, us arguing that hard sci-fi is always, you know, the more realistic end of it. Soft is the, oh, you know, space wizards and such. And according to Wikipedia, both definitions are right, unless you're Lee and then her definition is right. Well, obviously. Um we think the disconnect is the difference between writers defining things and engineers that are science nerds defining things. I, I think that's fair. Different kinds of nerds will always clash about things yep. like Consumers, that. producers. All right. So a lot of the things that we're going to talk about today are about on that softer end, which means, you know, in a science fiction, futuristic type setting, you're going to have things like faster than light travel. It's just going to happen. We're not going to argue about how it happens or the fact that it breaks all reality as we know it today. It's just going to be out there. Um, you're going to have things like energy shields. They're going to happen. Um, dog, dog fights in space are going to look like airplanes in space because uh, that's, that's what looks cool. Uh, you'll have blaster bolts that actually fire cool-looking lasers, and, and you'll see the colors. Yes, Jimmy, the negative space condenser will destroy the whole galaxy. Uh, apparently, uh, there were two audio input captures for me. Don't know Oops. where the second one came from, but yes. Echo, echo, echo. Hence the Colin is a resonant god. <laughs> Did that fix uh, the echo? I didn't hear it. Waiting. Well, no, you wouldn't. Hey, there we yeah, go. Yep. Yeah. All right, sounds, cool. Sounds good. Okay. Uh, 
when you have technology, it will have all it will possess all of the upside characteristics, um, none of the downsides. So the fact that uh, huge G forces will compress your body into a squeaky pink paste. Ah, that doesn't happen. Radiation, you can stop that with real walls and not have to worry about massive lead shielding and, and such. Um, cybernetic enhancements, yeah, if you just want to plug yourself in, yeah, that just happens. Uh, think the Matrix. Everyone has jacks where you can just like plug into reality or alternate reality. Yeah, there's no concerns whatsoever with how the bloody hell does that work. Nope. <laughs> Uh, yeah, fully autonomous robots that uh, can think and feel and do their own thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, why not? Droids. We'll talk about droids later. Uh, and as Lee pointed out earlier, you got that space magic psionics kind of disconnect, and both of them are acceptable. Uh, you've got the Force, uh, <laughs> which is a great example of that uh, uh, space magic uh, science opera, um, space opera, however you want to define it. Um, the Marvel Universe, you got Doctor Strange. I mean, I always like that guy. And then you've got uh, River Song from Firefly. Going into the mind reading, the lighter psionics, but still falls within it. It's not really defined. Ooh, we played with her brain, now she can read minds. But isn't that a space western? Okay, we're not going down the rabbit hole of defining... <laughs> It's a Western space opera. There we go. In a, in a, in a West End town. <laughs> okay. Have we babbled enough about what it means to be science fiction and soft science fiction? Are we ready to talk systems or is there more to say here? I don't know. The person that wasn't quite feeling up to the podcast tonight is encouraging fighting. Look, nanomachines? Yeah. You want nanomachines? I'll give you nanomachines. Nanomachines happened in Star Wars, too. I've got the book somewhere over on the wall. I mean, hell, zombies happened in Star Wars. Yeah, but it, they, they, they infested... They can uh, exist in both, though. Uh, you can have nanomachines in hard sci-fi because it, it does actually make sense. Yeah. Right. It's just what they do and how they do it. Yes. And a lot of the differences between fantasy and science fiction do come down to what does it do and how does it do it? Right. Because yes. magic and technology are basically the same thing. But oh, if you say get, it's, it's a magic woo-woo power... Come on, come on, pull out the quote no. about any no. sufficiently advanced technology you know you want to. No, I don't. <laughs> I felt but, it coming. I mean, if it's woo-woo, then it's magic. And if it's got some kind of tech explanation, then it's science. So, right. I mean... That's all it really comes. You can name pretty much anything, and you can find a way to do it either way. No, Tiff, yeah, that yeah. is not a drink moment. We're not adding drink moments. We don't need more drink moments on the podcast. We have enough. You've missed those uh, yeah. moments. And we're going to talk about the... kitchen sink here in a little bit. Oh, God, yes. All right. So. We're not going to talk about superheroes, though, because that, that's a whole different topic. Yeah, it really is. I think that is actually one of our genre areas, though. It's soft science fiction. <laughs> yeah, the, I, I kind of <laughs> lean toward that way, and maybe we'll morph into superheroes next. But it's also fantasy, so because, again, it depends yep. upon how you, how you get there and exactly. how it works. All, that. All right. There's tech explanation for Superman, so he's soft sci-fi. I mean, Iron Man is hard sci-fi. 
Yeah, he really is. Uh, except for the fact that you can't possibly uh, contain a reactor in that space. But sorry, uh, that's my engine. That's not reactor. the zip. zip. <laughs> he, he found a way to do it. Okay. You're not a super genius. No, I'm clearly not super genius He's enough. I'd be inventing genius. Iron Man suits instead of toiling away in a cubicle. Exactly. All right. Since I'm not Elon Musk, we're going to carry on then and move into the system part of this discussion. <laughs> because if I was Elon Musk, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you two. Oh, I have feelings somewhere that you just hurt. I haven't found them, but they felt that. Look, the Navy surgically removed your feelings years ago, and you know it. Are they in a jar on a shelf? Uh, somewhere with my soul, I'd wager. They took that, too. I think Eric got to keep some of his. Yeah, they didn't take your spine. That's what they take from officers. Ah, that's what it was. Yes, that was the difference. Right. The willingness to say things like, don't confuse your rank with my authority. (laughs) All right, moving on. Fair enough. Systems. Okay, so so before we get into systems, because there are a lot a lot of soft science fiction, space opera, space fantasy systems out there. No one is going to agree on what we talk about next. This is going to be a three-way fight to the finish for the next hour-ish. But I want to set some ground rules first, which is that if you're going to play a game that is in this genre, pick a system that does what you want it to do. Do not feel constrained by, oh, I want to run a Star Wars game, so I have to pick a system that has Star Wars in its name. If you want to pick up Fate and run Star Wars, be my guest. Be Freeform, be my guest. You want to run Spelljammer as Star Wars, you can do that too. If that's the mechanics that you want, if that's the the jam that you want to get out of your game, pick the system that does what you want it to do. Any argument Are we there? To argue about that because I, I agree with you. Completely. I think yeah, I he's I expecting us to like. fight. That is the only part that we're going to agree on from here to when we get to the freeform. Always pick the system you like. I'm just watching this anticipation right now, and I'm going to laugh my ass off if it turns around on you. Look, do I have to hit myself with the stick? Sure. I'll watch it. <laughs> okay. Now that I've bathed myself with a stick, Starfinder. Let's just hit the big elephant right off. Um, This is the kitchen sink of science fantasy wrapped in a Pathfinder shell. So if you like... (laughs) Sorry, I'll hit that later. Um, If you like Pathfinder for a fantasy game and you just want a little more science futuristic setting pick up Starfinder, you'll feel real comfortable with it. Um, The downside is Starfinder's setting, I kind of find a little thin, personally. It was like, oh, let's just futurize Galarian and put a big Mm -hmm. gap in the middle to explain why uh, it doesn't fit in the rest of the timeline. Um, So that's just my personal feel on Starfinder is um, if I wanted to run a science fantasy game, I would probably pick it up because it's easy and people will feel comfortable with it, but I'm probably not going to run it in future Galarian. Your mileage may vary. Yeah, I'm kind of with Eric on that one. It it felt like they just bolted on a sci-fi wrapper around Galarian. 
Tiffany says, Spelljammer wannabe. Yeah, we'll hit Spelljammer here in just a second. I just <laughs> wanted to hit the big elephant first with my big-ass laser gun. I am not generally a fan of uh, prefab settings personally um, when I game because there's always a book and inevitably the players have read it more than I have. And so they know things that I don't. <laughs> yeah. Just the way that it is. And that's fair. And so some of the things that we're going to talk about, I mean, when we get to Star Wars, oh boy. Yeah, just like rough. Star Trek, there is a fandom around just about anything. And unless you are reasonably up to speed on the fandom, um, as a GM, I always find that if I'm going to run one of those prefab settings, I have to very narrowly define, we're talking about this part that I'm an expert on, and all the rest of it, I'm just going to ignore. And if you bring it up, I'm not taking your application because you're clearly not in my wheelhouse. Uh, I don't think I would ever want to run any anything set in Star Trek, Star Wars, any of the big defined universes. Right. Because yeah, like I think like really Lee said, on the group, but generally, yeah, uh, if you're just pulling in people that you don't necessarily know, it's not your regular group. I would never ever know. It's just this is a game that has space wizards. They use laser swords, but it's not Star Wars. <laughs> uh, Matsui points out, um, and this is a, a plus side to Starfinder, is that there are predefined adventure paths. So if you're looking for a pick up and go experience where you don't have to be um, a, a read up expert on the whole genre in order to get it done, um, the Pathfinder adventure paths, the Starfinder adventure paths are actually pretty decent about prefabbing. Um, the other downside that I find to Starfinder, and this is more of a system thing, is that uh, the starship combat rules are very rote. And while they were novel at the time that they were written, you end up doing, it's kind of the same old, uh, I roll the dice, I hit, I miss. Different players don't necessarily have great defined roles in how the combat plays out. That can be overdone. We'll talk about Spelljammer here in a, in a moment, but um, I just find it's kind of more of a boring roll the dice type scenario and not necessarily something that keeps me engaged in the combat. Fair. Okay. All right. Oh, that was too easy. <laughs> I guess we all, we all put Starfinder at the first because we're not going to argue about it too much uh, other than prefab versus non-prefab and this is probably the epitome of prefab. Good thing about prefab is that if you just don't want to come up with the stuff, it's there. Right. And, you know, sometimes I just don't want to come up with the stuff. It's there. <laughs> yeah, that's there's a definite it only gets, advantage. It only gets to... hard when you have setting rules nerds. Yeah, that can be dangerous. Uh, and. Not. And so if we want to talk about a setting that's existed for a while, that there might be some rules and hurts around. Colin, how about Spelljammer? Um, so yeah, Spelljammer. Uh, kind of your mix of Age of Sail, Jules Verne, and Steampunk all mashed together in space. With space hippos. With space hippos. And giant hamsters. And this is, and I forgot the uh, early disclaimer, um... Soft sci-fi isn't typically my territory, so I can only contribute so much to all this. Um, hey. That's why we've got Eric and Lee. 
Spelljammer's been around since second edition, which means it's as old as I am. Actually, I'm older than it. Sorry. Okay, yeah, Grandpa. Because I've been uh, yeah, I've been around for a while. Uh, but uh, you've got your spell jamming helms that allow you to control your living ships. Uh, you've got the crystal spheres that separate the different worlds that you can travel between. Which you know that Age of Sail thing comes in. It's there's a a phlogiston, which is your ether in which the ships sail in between the different crystal spheres. Um, yeah. If, if you were looking for Master and Commander in space, they kind of tried to replicate that a little bit. And they did an okay job. Yeah. Um, Setting-wise, um, it was the first attempt to try and do a... Well, I can mishmash anything in Kitchen Sink into my uh, science fantasy. Uh, it was really bolted on to... I mean, it was really just D&D in space. Yeah, D&D yeah. &D in space. Second it's edition D&D in space. Yeah, specifically. Um, and now it's been updated for 5th edition. So if you really like 5e and that's your jam, sure. But we, we've had a couple of AD&D 2e Spelljammer games show up on the Weave, and I've had to restrain myself from applying to them. Kind of like I restrained myself from applying to the recent Ravenloft game, even though I have the box set sitting up on my D&D wall. Um, Spelljammer, uh, as I mentioned, they're Spelljamming Helms, which you kind of jam on your head and, and use it to manipulate your ship hope you brought your space wizards uh, because you'll need them for this setting. It's very specific to spell casting. But it was really what they did was they said, okay, so we want to play D&D in space. What do we need to make D&D actually in space? And then they just right. smacked all those things onto D&D. Bolted on, add a couple more rules, good. Yeah, and, and that's fine <laughs> if you really want to play D&D in space. Well, right. it's but, just like Starfinder's Pathfinder in space. Same sort yeah. of thing. Same approach. Kind of the best part for me, kind of the Age of Sail vibe on it is, we're not going to really worry about the fact that you have to breathe out there. We're going to assume that you can on the deck of the ship, and the two ships will come together, and you can jump across and do the boarding action like you were on the ocean in the 1800s. Which, yeah. yeah. It's kind of fun. Um, kind of like taking inspiration from Star Trek's warp field on that one. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. We're not going to talk and, about Star Trek tonight, are we? The, uh, there, there was a lot of... The, they kind of left the setting to you. Because each True. crystal sphere could have something uh, independent of any other crystal sphere. You could have this sphere has these gods and this sphere has these gods and the rules work a little bit differently and you've got Eberron over here and whatever over there and Greyhawk over there and you can go from sphere to sphere so they didn't really make it a setting right? in the same yeah. sense you don't quite have that home base like you do with Planescape where you yeah. can just kind of camp out in sigil and go off to explore the different your home base is your ship yes um, Eric, I'm pretty sure we talked about Star Trek in Last episode, episode two, because Star Trek tends to be more harder. It, yeah, from a from a uh, dealing with the consequences of your advancement and um, interacting with less advanced. Well, that in the tech, they actually tried to stay within what was theoretically possible. Right, it's definitely not science fantasy. Right. right, because the the empath falls within what is allowed in hard sci-fi. 
Right. Right. And right. and even if you're talking about it's not super hard. Right. <laughs> We're not going to talk about exactly how that energy to matter conversion works and the fact that you it's can get anything out from it. It just works. Right. Not important. Yes, tachyons. <laughs> Star Trek right, so is it, a time travel adventure. I can't argue this. I mean, hard yeah. to soft sci-fi is in fact a scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, there's, it's there's just, just not on problem. either end. It's it's on yeah, it's on the harder side, but it's not yeah. hard not all the way to the end. So let's go full fantasy and talk about Star Wars then, since we're here. <laughs> All right, so going into Star Wars, there's a few different versions of the system. The ones I know about are the West End Games version and the Saga Edition version. Yeah, and... there was a, re a revised edition in there, too. But... Yeah, there was, yeah. but it's basically Saga. With I played some Saga, saga and that was it. And I escaped because, let me tell you, hardcore, you know, Star Wars types playing when you're the game master and don't know a whole lot, the reverse is also a nightmare. Even when you do know a whole lot, they always seem to know more. Well, in this or book, they will that argue was... with you about minutiae. the reverse. Yes. The reverse when you've got the game master. That oh, is the total hardcore. Nerd. <laughs> must have stormtrooper fights and no i don't like that you want a silent slug thrower you need a blaster oh yes yeah and in the d6 version okay it's been a very long time since i played it um this was like college which was forever ago yeah. back when dinosaurs still roamed the earth uh there was very predefined roles it wasn't mm -hmm. like uh there's, you know, there was no, it was, you're a Jedi, <laughs> you're a this, you're a that, you're the other thing. Was that uh, a Stormtrooper? Saga, <laughs> Saga gave Saga, you they, a little more kinda, flexibility. Yeah, a little more flexibility and freedom. But, um, so the D6 version was really for people who wanted to more or less replicate what was in the movies. That That's really all that you wanted to do was do stories just like that with characters just like that. Yes. And then the saga and, version was. And by uh, the movies, we mean the first the original trilogy. Yeah, the original movies, the real movies. Um, yeah, no, that, then, you and I are of the same age, so there's only really three movies, and the rest of right. them are kind of. The, Eric's line: He whatever. loves Jar Jar. <laughs> I've been yeah. told that my costume looks like a combo between Kylo Ren and Princess Vespa from Spaceballs. So, <laughs> your mileage may vary. I can see the intersection. Yeah. What? But uh, the <laughs> the other version. Um, who did the other version? The the one that eventually became Saga. Um. I don't remember the publisher. Uh, it was before Wizards of the Coast. Wizards of the Coast took yeah. over from them. It was um. I forget. Anyway, the, that version was really more of a response to people who were D and D players who wanted to play Star Wars. Or, you know, they came from that kind of background, and so they, they expanded what you could do a little bit and made it more of a, okay, this is a Star Wars setting game. So you right. can do all the things that are possible in Star Wars, but you don't have to do it exactly like the way we did the things in the movies. Right, right. I mean, one of the big deals with the revised edition was that you ended up with uh, the same kind of wizard versus fighter imbalance that you often have in D&D, &D, where um, the wizards 
space wizards completely overshadow everyone else. You can do everything with the Force, including all the things that the scum and villainy type people could do. So why do we even have the guys with blasters? Who knows? Uh, Chase wrote a lot of good notes here, and she was talking about the shipbuilding system that she she really likes the kind of more freeform narrative style shipbuilding than you get in something like GURPS, where it's very mechanical and um, numbers driven. Two hours later, you have your sailboat. Yeah. Something you could like get really in depth with it if that was what you wanted to do. Yeah. You could spend <laughs> a lot of time on that. Yes, of course you need grunts for the Jedi to slice through. <laughs> Just got to show how I awesome mean, they are, right? When I get angry. They tried. They, they did seem to make an actual attempt to make it like all of the, the archetypes have a purpose. That is it's true. Just that when yeah. it comes to Je Jedi are... I mean, even in Star Wars, Jedi are basically better. Yes. They are Jedi better. are like the High Elves of D&D. &D. They're like High Elf wizards. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah because, I, I mean, I'm, they're even one step better than High Elves. I'm just mechanically yes. and fluff-wise better than you in every respect. And, <laughs> I mean, the, the restraint on them is supposed to be their small numbers. They are few, right. and that, that is what prevents them from taking over the universe. Challenges that few in a gaming context equates to, no, there are no Jedi in this game. Or this one. <laughs> or this one either. Maybe one in a thousand games might have a Jedi. Maybe. Right, but of course everybody wants to play a Jedi because they're cool. Which means you wind up with a game with five oh, Jedi. Yeah. But they did try. They tried to do it through the skill system where uh, you had to use skill points and it, it kind of worked at low levels, but it, it really broke down very quickly. Yeah. Right. So then they got into Saga Edition, which was basically built on the fourth edition D&D &D version of D20. Um, if you like gaming with miniatures, it's really cool. Mm -hmm. I like gaming with miniatures, but I'm not sure I like gaming with miniatures in Star Wars because I don't have any. All my miniatures are standard fantasy. I, I guess I could pretend that the swords are lightsabers laser swords laser swords <laughs> and the maces are those really cool like energy maces that they had in uh episode seven because those were those were pretty cool yeah they were came before fourth edition well that is technically true tiffany it came it predated fourth edition by a short span and it was pretty much their playtesting rules for fourth edition is what they what they built it on because so it's let's not exactly face it, like you slap Star Wars on a system book and you're going to have sales. It's like printing money. Yeah, people may despise the end result, but they're going to buy a lot of copies first. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. You had the. Um, that was right about the time that the 789 trilogy came out. And so. Mm -hmm. No, sorry, the one, two, no, three trilogy yes. came out. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, no, I was gonna say it was. It's a yeah, no, I got, I got the, I got the order reversed <laughs> in my head. Time is a myth. Time is a myth, and yeah, that that was that trilogy that I don't want to remember that I actually watched. A couple. You really, times. really like Star Wars, and you like D and D, and that's your basis. Um, yes. Yeah. The Star Wars systems are good for that. It's just they have a lot of issues, but Flaws. all systems have a lot of issues. So. Pretty much. And so Star Wars, I think the, the real killer is if if you're a Star Wars nut, um, you just got to pick the system that 
that hits the trilogy that you're a Star Wars nut about and try and stick to that. Um, what do you do if you want to run an old Republic game? Do you pull out West End Games because it's the most kind of hand-wavy? Probably. Would make sense. What's that? Uh, it's it's before the original three movies, but everything looks shinier and better. What? Yeah, yeah. You definitely had that tech regression thing going on, so that the the four, five, six looked more like space western fantasy. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, yeah, you know, okay. I will make this argument though. Episode one did have one of the best overall fight scenes out of any of the movies. The yes. choreography for Duel of Fates was phenomenal. Okay. I, I I will only argue in that that suddenly made it look like, well, why weren't those moves being pulled out in the fight scene in Episode 5 where you actually had Vader, who was fully trained in all of these things and had done them since childhood, suddenly is not pulling out his wicked yes, kung, yes. kung fu laser sword oh. moves. I mean, it was also fun watching Liam Neeson lightsaber fight and just leave everyone else behind because he has classical sword training and the other actors didn't. Yes. Yeah, he looked really cool while doing it. And he (laughs) he wasn't, you and McGregor, out there making lightsaber noises. (laughs) Having the crew crew say, stop that. We have to edit that out. It's hard. That I mean, moment where the... someone goes, ah, oh, fix it and post in this. Special effects department's going, shit. No. <laughs> okay, Jimmy points out the other fatal flaw, which is clearly that they're not fighting body to body. No... The best part about the episode five and six sword fights was the fact that they were choreographed by someone who actually had was True. a master swordsman. And so they looked realistic for fencing. Right. Well, I mean, God, if you want to watch a realistic sword fight, go and watch The Princess Bride. Same guy. Was it really? That... Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But Sorry, we were talking that, about game systems. That's the edge of my nerddom, and we tangented <laughs> real hard there. Um, so, <laughs> you mean we, we entertained and we used time as intended? Okay, fine. Right. Lee, okay. we tangent the, all the time. It's what we do. Final note on Star Wars before we jump off of it. You can also, like, kick the Force users out and pull out the Scum and Villainy supplement in Saga, and that works real well. Uh, and that's actually a popular way to play Star Wars on the Weave. I've seen a lot of those games. Wait, did you... Chimmy, we didn't say it. We didn't say it. We don't have to drink. I can't even explain that rule to Lee without saying it, so I'm not saying it. Yeah. Suffice to say, it is the word that the knights of the Weaving This podcast cannot bear to say. Yes, that one. All right. So, Uncharted Worlds. Uh, if you like Powered by the Apocalypse, and I do, Uncharted Worlds is a uh, kind of a broad world-building idea necessarily more than a setting in total um, but it's got its focus on exploration and commerce which 
I really find is more interesting than necessarily nut and bolting all of the science together. Um, the key aspect of any Powered by the Apocalypse game is that when you're doing character creation, you're actually doing setting creation kind of in parallel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, that that extends to ship creation, uh, which is a little different than what we would get in a, a standard fantasy game um, where it's mostly focused on the, the characters and the interaction between them. But the, the capabilities of the ship are actually something that you have to take into account when you're building out your, your little part of the uh, Powered by the Apocalypse uh, universe. So Uncharted Worlds in a certain way is, is kind of a softer sci-fi version of Stars Without Number. I haven't played Uncharted World, so I can't. I know absolutely nothing Son about it. Son of a. God, Sorry. that is one of the rules. <laughs> uh, Tiffany points out that she played a Star Wars game in Uncharted World. That goes back to my ground rules. That's a great thing to do if you're looking for something that is more on the. Um, how do people get by under the thumb of the Empire or in the freewheeling outer rims? And you're not so much worried about the big flick right. um, of the Jedi. Um, yes, you know, and Villainy is one way to accomplish that. But another way is to go dispense with the Star Wars rules entirely and just pick up Uncharted Worlds or, uh, or one of the other systems that we're going to discuss. At Star Wars, I think we said it's kind of like a space western. Um, yeah. So if you really want a space western, you can go all the way to everyone's favorite firefly <laughs> no i didn't go to the mandalorian we can touch that later because that's back to star wars but i mean firefly. arguably you could have covered that in star wars but <laughs> but instead of uh instead of getting eyes staring at each other with a glint of the sun you just have that impassive mask Mm-hmm. all right so firefly rpg sci-fi by technicality is the best way to put it because you know it takes place, Serenity and Firefly, it takes place in space, but it's mainly a Western. A lot of it is on planets with only minimal bits of technology appearing. I mean, the dress styles are similar to Westerns. The firearms are pretty much similar to Westerns. Yeah, it's... Uh, the tech is mostly available... Um, a lot of it's antiquated, a lot of it's broken down. Suppose if you're doing a uh, game with that setting in the core worlds, you get a lot more of the sci-fi vibe. But That said, I have not played the actual system, so I cannot speak to the system itself that much. I'm going to just point out that it's basically space opera. Yeah, I mean, it much. qualifies. Oh yes, That's what makes it science fiction. Com- completely so. a space opera. Um, yeah. Okay. Fine. Yeah. So you're you don't have like gun noises. You have laser noises. But and guns that definitely shoot bullets. Uh. Right. Yeah. Props but department. You know, shoestring budget. What? It's in space. 
<laughs> I mean, we'll get to, we'll get there eventually because I mean, there's there's actor crossovers as well because all of these were TV shows and you know, TV shows are extraordinarily popular, especially the space genre in the the late 2000s was uh, well, it was hopping back oh. when sci-fi back when the Sci-Fi Channel actually did sci-fi. Back when they actually understood how to do a show. Period. Okay, fair. Though we're not here to slam the, the Sci-Fi Channel, even if they spell their name with a Y these days, just because. <laughs> um, Why should you watch it? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, there's plenty of wrestling on. I hear. Not that I not that I watch it, but the, I hear there's wrestling on sometimes on the Sci-Fi Channel. Um. But back to Firefly. Yes. Um, I also have not played the system, uh, but. And that's kind of funny that we get a system that none of us have played. That's that's actually relatively rare. Okay, no, this is not, this is back to Star Wars, son. This has nothing to do with Firefly. Um, but yeah, um, Twitch chat. What's your feel on the on the Firefly RPG setting, or not the setting, the system specifically? Mm -hmm. throw this one out to you how many of you have actually played it if you have raise your hand give us a comment yeah this was kind of inevitable that we'd have something happen all right tiffany has let's hear it tiff yeah i think this is one where everyone has watched the series and they turned out an rpg because that's what you do when you have a successful science fiction series Yeah, that is oh, true. Yeah, one of those, the very, original Fires Multiple. Yeah. Yeah, aren't there? There's just two, right? Yep. Yeah. The, the Cortex the, one and then the other one, whatever it was. Right. The Cortex system we've covered in a couple of other episodes, and I think the, the main concern is uh, its mechanic for resolution doesn't really lend itself very well to play by post. People have tried it. Um, and you wind up fighting a little bit with it. It is a little bit unwieldy, uh, but uh, I think it'd be one where if you were kind of running a hybrid game where you could play some of those mechanics on Discord in real time and your players were okay with that, because I wouldn't suggest trying to, to uh, drop that on people after game creation. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll just open up a Discord server where we can do all the combat mechanics. No bait and switch, please. Okay, so Cortex, yeah. Firefly, Firefly is a great setting, though, um, and uh, broken down tech is one of the things that I often include whenever I'm doing a science fiction game, because it makes it easier to kind of hand wave away some of that shiny futuristic stuff. Where, well, why can't why can't it do everything? Well, it's because it's broken. I mean, it is worth tossing out there that if you want to play the Firefly setting in play by post. It adapts very well to stars without number. Dang you. Mm -hmm. Lee is immune to the rule because she's a guest. Yes, um, but it does. So the setting. Yeah, the, you could do. Uh, or not the, the saga scum and villainy too. That works yeah. very well. But yes, arguably, uh, stars without number was definitely influenced by the Serenity and Firefly, all that. So. 
it's one of those things you can actually adapt it over fairly easily, and that one runs a little better in play-by-post. I'm not drinking again. I drank for Sane at the first time. We're already on the topic. I'm not going to drink every time, Tiff. <laughs> I want to survive the night. Yeah, we talked about Travelers, the system. It, that that works well for Firefly as well. Yes. Um, the Mongoose Traveler is, is, is particularly adept at doing it, the newer second edition uh, even more so. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they adapted the edition based on the cool ideas that were available at the time. I think one yeah. of the more interesting things about Firefly playing it as a game is that it is a very rich setting and it has a lot about it and there are a lot of people who are super nerds about it, but there's not a lot of material out there. There's right. a finite amount of material, so it's actually feasible for everybody to have the same basis right. without a whole lot of time investment. Unlike, say, Star Wars, where there's mm-hmm. you know the expanded universe and the you know, right. original universe, and then there's the 15 movies and, and all of this other stuff so it's and you know yeah. star trek same idea there's all these movies there's all these books there's all this tie-in stuff and all these tv shows but with firefly it's it's kind of finite so if you really like it you can really get into that setting when you're gaming because everybody kind of has the same basis of understanding for it a big right. part about any sort of established setting is that it's hard to run within the canon because the canon is centered around the characters that you're not going to play. You're not going to play the actual right. core characters. But, um, so you're going to tangent outside of the canon. And it's a little easier to do that, to Lee's point, when the canon is not vast. I mean, yes. Star Wars is so vast that you'll have people arguing over what is and isn't canon during character creation, which is not necessarily conducive to having a game actually break out. Whereas, you know, Firefly, it's, oh, you know, grab the uh, planet generator, the organization generator rules, all that from Stars Without Number. And, you know, you can make yourself planets and governments and all of that very quickly because it's not in-depth fleshed out. Right. You only have, what? one great series one great season of actual material mm-hmm. to work with and uh the and writer will not release his full notes because apparently he had eight seasons planned well yeah, but nobody cares about the comics jimmy <laughs> okay Look, he had eight seasons planned out because it came out right about the same time as another extremely successful science fiction TV show that got turned into RPG. We're talking about one of my favorites, Stargate SG-1. Okay, yes, Tiff, we don't talk about him now. We're going to talk about Stargate SG-1 because that's MacGyver in space. (laughs) Um. And what I will give the the SG-1 RPG is that it really very well represents the setting and the mechanics for that 10-season monolith that is SG-1. There is an SGA Atlantis supplement if you want to to get into Wraith, which are really just a a different uh, space alien that is angry with humans, but uh, it's not quite as good. Um. Nothing says I liked Stargate before it was cool, quite like. Chimmy. 
space worms are cool. Yes, exactly. I mean, come on. What is so bad about parasitic body inhabiting space aliens? They're fun. They're inexplicable. They do their thing, especially when they mimic Egyptian gods. Okay, yes, the the original movie with Kurt Russell and uh, James, James Spader is sitting on my shelf, and it's it's fun too. You know, arguably they le- could have just reshot that movie with the new cast for the show, and it probably would have done great for a pilot. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, and yeah, if we're gonna talk about weird pilot episodes and things they did because they were on a paid-for cable network instead of on uh, <laughs> public cable TV. Yeah, the, the first two seasons of SG-1 are pretty wacky. Uh, and definitely not PG. Um, but, look, SG-1 is about body-inhabiting aliens that you can shoot with guns and kill them. And mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're minions. Uh, and, and blow them up with claymores. And wormholes that you can die Yes, on. and planet yes. hopping through wormholes. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much um, planet hopping through wormholes, which was entirely about that that softer edge of sci-fi where we don't talk about how it works. It's just something that these, well, actually it was originally the space aliens before they realized, no, we have to have a creator race that created it. Um, so they made that up too. Yes, but it goes, it's very much a age of exploration type vibe to it when you think about it, just set modern day sci-fi. Uh, yeah, you're uh, exploring you new territory, new worlds, new cultures, new peoples, and but most not with of spaceships. them, right? But not with Space... what? Spaceships. Not with spaceships. Yes. The spaceships came later, and those were mostly a bolt-on that you didn't you didn't get into spaceship fights. That that was not things the characters did. Um, and you had all all a variety of tech levels. Kind of that was that was the cool thing. It's it's that same kind of spelljammer type mechanic of because these wormholes connect arbitrarily to wherever we want to go, we can have a Arthurian medieval setting, and two hops away, you can be in um, industrial revolution. <laughs> Tiffany, yes, yes. All planets do <laughs> oh, look Lord. like Canadian forests. It's exactly the damnedest like thing. Canadian <laughs> there's not there's, there's not a desert anywhere to be found it's always forests which you know it gives me very much the Battlestar Galactica vibe when it comes down to it those those all pretty much look about the same too mm-hmm. funny enough they were Canadian forests those are cool um, the one thing that Star- SG-1's not going to do for you from a mechanics perspective is if you want to be like a diplomat and you want to have a nuance about the the interaction of the societies that doesn't involve the gold showing up and, and throwing everything into chaos, it's not going to really float your boat. So I would suggest one of these other systems that we talked about up above. Um, yeah. It doesn't do supernatural either. I mean, the whole Ori seasons, I mean, you can't shoot them with bullets or blow them up with claymore, so it doesn't really uh, work Hold with... up. Um, ignore the Ori bit. The original series had that stuff going. Daniel's Ascension and okay, yeah, but that was pretty close to the Ori. In fact, it's like they just connected the Ori to that same thing. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, I'm not going to argue, but yes. the mechanics of the SG-1 RPG are not tailored to the Ori. No, no, they're tailored to Jack O'Neill diplomacy. Shoot it until it stops moving. If it keeps moving, blow it up. Blow it up, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep, if you can't hit it with your P90, a Claymore will do the trick. <laughs> okay. Fine. Yeah, uh, it really was tangent. just an escalation of explosives. <laughs> At least, unlike BSG, they didn't reuse the same explosion scene in every episode. I like what Matsui said, though. If it keeps moving after you blow it up, ask Carter <laughs> to blow up a sun. Hey, you know, look, it was very progressive in the fact that it had a female science technology lead. That actually held her own. Yeah. Yes. Okay, uh, I think that's enough about SG-1. Okay, I... yes. So moving on, systems that work for soft sci-fi. Fate. Fate works for anything, so it's... Fate works for anything. All right, moving on from Fate, because uh, <laughs> I don't care about Fate, and Chimmy can't make me. Yeah, if Chimmy wanted to talk about Fate, Chimmy could show up in this episode, but he didn't. Fate has no inherent settings other than the ones that you get as separate things. Uh, and I believe it does have a sci-fi one, but I, I've never seen it, so I don't care. But the point is that fate can be used for anything. And so you can certainly use it. You can use it for a Star Wars game. You can use it for a Star Trek game. You can use it for a Firefly game. You can use it for an anything game. Because the, the way that it is, is it's fully customizable. The entire point is that it's fully customizable to whatever you want. Right. It, it may even achieve balance between the characters better than some of the Star Wars systems will, simply because, well, pretty much everyone starts off with the same level playing field, and you tailor your aspects and, and such to the things that matter to the setting. Right. Whether it's right. balanced or not pretty much comes down to whether the GM is paying attention or not and understands the concept of balance. Right. So that's actually kind of a downside in some ways, because if your GM doesn't get it, then you can wind up with one character like this and one character like this and, you know, way out of whack. But uh, most people kind of get the feel of it from the examples that they have. So it really does work for anything. You know, it I, certainly works for this. I will say, just because we actually didn't think about this one, Crisis. but Tiffany mentioning Lancer... Mm -hmm. reminded me that within the soft sci-fi realm, you've got Battletech. Yeah, That's we were going to talk about talk about Mecha Warriors at some point. Yes. Yeah. But yes, it eventually. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily fit hard soft sci-fi. It's it's kind of its own beast because you can make you can make your uh, your mechanics of how your robots work as hard or soft as you like. Definitely the most scale on that one. All right. Anyway, final bit. That's about fate, crisis. I mean, sorry, freeform. <laughs> freeform is just fate without the book. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it's writing, which is what Lee does. Yeah. It's, when she's it's when she's writing, not writing. Collaborative writing books. I know, and uh, there isn't a whole lot to talk about with freeform because freeform is just whatever you make it. That, that's the entire point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Established yeah. social contract, and uh, it's like know. the opposite of GURPS. Yes. GURPS, you could put a number on anything, and freeform, you put numbers on nothing. 
mean, Freeform's all about communication. You knew you were going to have to say it eventually. <laughs> I mean, I'm running a Stargate Freeform game right now. And my wife, who plays in the game, had this suggestion just today. She's like, why don't you spin up a second group and have them play the bad guys? And this will get a whole lot more interesting. It's not interesting enough already with with the crazy characters that you have. Uh, you can do anything with freeform. Uh, chase chase through at suggestions. Space spaceship kidnapped your dog. Sure, why not? And our Twitch chat is feisty tonight. That's pro probably because Chimmy's in it. Most yeah. Likely. Yeah. All right. So, sliding away from settings, um, some general science fiction questions we got from the pre-podcast thread from Penchant is, first one was, when does genre creep cause you to switch game systems? Well, personally, if I'm switching systems, it's because the creep means that the current system doesn't work anymore. If I have to start making up house rules because the current system doesn't have a method or the method is too cumbersome, it's probably time to switch systems. Yeah, switching systems like when a game is active is a pretty big deal. Mm -hmm. Especially in um, sci-fi. Because the mechanics will be light years different from each other. It's... I mean, I mean, honestly... I'm not a space... Sense. Yeah, I, I feel like if you're doing something that's going to have the potential to have genre creep, you owe it to yourself and to your players to use a system that's a little less rules-dense so that it lets you expand things a little more easily. Or use GURPS. I, I, GURPS not is interchangeable. It's the opposite, right? It's the opposite of... <laughs> Less rules, but it can accommodate anything. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, the the opposite side is use fade. Yes. Um, but I think really, if you're using one of the systems that's in the middle of our discussion here, because we pretty much started from rules dense and finished up with no rules at all, mm -hmm. uh, which is just right in my opinion, um, you pretty much have to define your game a little better. Uh, if you are if you're in a Star Wars setting, you need to narrow it down to we're just going to explore this aspect of Star Wars. If you get outside of that, maybe you want to start another game where you can pick a system that does more specific things tailored to the type of characters that you want to run. Right. Let's see. Second question: To droid or not to droid? I hate droids. Oh, I love droids. Always droid. Yeah. Look, droids have a perspective that humans don't have. And a lot of the games that I run tend to the softer side of things. And so it's going to be more of the exploration of character depth. And someone who can really carry off a good droid character uh, is someone I want in my game. I, I don't think that the question of droids is really that much different than the question of should we have gnomes? Well, Nathan's not here, so gnomes forever. We got to have gnomes in every setting, especially pond. Right, it's the same question, though. Should we have X race? Is is basically the same question from 
yes. wherever you are. And I, I think really the right answer to that question is it depends on if your sci-fi setting has AI or not. Yeah. I, you, you definitely don't want droid characters who are not fully autonomous, who, yeah. can't, who can't have their own agency. Uh, if they only exist to serve the humans, if we're talking about like a Isaac Asimov, iRobot type level of uh, autonomy, which is right. really not In that autonomous. case, they just shouldn't be PCs. Right. You can have droids, just, yeah, not PCs. Mm -hmm. uh, the issue of communication does come up as well. Um, if you're going to play a droid, it has to be able to interact. Okay, this is communication not in a between characters perspective, so it's not a drinking one. This is a communication and an in-character perspective. Eric, the if rules were not context-specific. Drink. Fine. <laughs> Fine. But here's what... The distinction I'm trying to draw is one where where we've talked about <laughs> different languages and, and the ability for characters to communicate with each other in character. It's fine if you have a beep-boop droid as long as the beep boop droid is something that people understand, like you had with R2-D2 and Luke in Star right. Wars, where R2 could say things and Luke could understand what he was getting at. Um, it's not fine if you have a droid that basically has to have an interpreter carried around at all times to be able to interact with the other characters. Same I mean, thing where you have a mute character. There's like, why? Why are you doing that? Why? Yeah, unless uh, there's a way to have easy interaction, regardless of setting, even. Yeah, pretty much. This is not this is not a sci-fi thing. It's not a droid-specific thing either. Characters have to be able to interact with each other and the environment around them, or else. What are you? Doing? I think the time to not droid is when the setting just doesn't support the concept. Yes. At all. But that's the only reason to not droid. Or you All don't right. want to, you don't want anything other than humans. Yeah, I mean that's a, <laughs> that's a thing that you could right. do. I mean that's basically what SG one was. Yeah. yeah. Going back to that for a second, it was humans and super powered humans that had alien technology. Glowy eyes. Hey, look, just because <laughs> just because it's something attached to your brainstem, yeah, sure, it can give you glowy eyes. Why not? Mm -hmm. All right. Um. How do you keep the space wizards from hijacking all the plot lines? Don't have space wizards. Is this a trick question? Well, I mean... <laughs> since obviously the space wizards, we're talking about Star Wars, just do the Mandalorian thing and use slug throwers. I mean, it's the same question for any... Space wizards are no different from regular wizards, non-space wizards, I guess. You you have to find ways to balance them with the rest of the party. Right. Um, typically, if I have a space wizard type thing, people are superstitious about space wizards, and so they're not necessarily going to be tolerated in all locations. They can't go around just showing off their space wizardy things. Maybe I'm heavily influenced by the fact that I was like, Five when I watched Star Wars Episode Four, like on a VHS tape before I went and watched Episode <laughs> Five in theaters first run with Herbie the Love Bug as the the promo movie ahead of time. 
sorry, uh, tangenting there to my oldness, um, old space <laughs> wizards, <laughs> old space wizards. No one trusted old space wizards, and so they had to live off in the in, in hermitages by themselves and didn't show their face all the time. Yeah. All right. And then, uh, uh... Yeah. Chim Chimmy's point is well taken. It ultimately comes down to your player. If you're picking a player who wants to be a Jedi because they want to outshine everyone else, maybe you should consider a different player. If you are the player who wants to outshine everyone else in a game, I urge, you to I urge you to reconsider your gaming philosophy because gaming is a social contract, as we said before. It involves a lot of communication. Shit. <laughs> Look, two can play at this game. Fair. And... Um, the point is to have fun together. If you are the one who's having all the fun and everyone else is not having the fun, your fun is not very much fun. So uh, A lot of the comments in the chat are suggesting that you do anti-Jedi this or flamethrowers. Actually, what you need to do is to construct challenges in such a way that uh, they don't... They, they don't survive, the magic yes. Jedi win button. But I mean, it's just like dealing with it's just like dealing with clerics that feel like they're a little out of control. Things you just right. you have to work around them in such a way that they are included, but they are not given the opportunity to shine at every moment because their power doesn't do the win button action. Right, and there's a lot of ways to do that, and sometimes it's just playing to the player's strengths instead of the character's strengths. Like some players are really good at puzzles of a certain type and some players are really good at different kinds of puzzles and some players just want to smash things yes right Look, and you know they're... playing to that is a very effective way to deal with the problem of the space wizard but then there's also issues where okay you did your space wizard thing and you solved that problem but by doing so you created five new problems and your right. space wizard thing won't fix any of them or it won't fix more than two of them or something like that that's how yeah. you deal with that Go back, go back to episode four and you see that. So yeah, Obi-Wan saved Luke's life by pulling out the lightsaber and chopping off the uh, the alien's arm. And then the stormtroopers showed up. All right. And the last question from Penchant. When the space wizard starts wearing all black and talking all angsty, is it okay to go ahead and drug them and ditch them at the spaceport? Yes. Yes. I feel personally attacked by this line of thinking. Anytime your space wizard pulls a Toby Maguire. <laughs> There's a reference for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that montage is never going to get old. If you are not familiar with that little bit from Spider-Man 3, you owe it to yourself to look up that uh, that goth montage bit on YouTube. Yes, with the dance. W oh, with the dance. The dance is needed. I know what I have to do. <laughs> but I don't know if I'm strong enough. <laughs> All right. So poor Adam Driver made to made to read those lines. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do we need a five minute break? Yes. Uh, to go no. shoot space wizards? 
Sorry, there are too many space wizards here. I have to get rid of them. All right. Good. So now that I'm I'm no longer a space wizard, I feel better. <laughs> All right. Um. Lifted from my shoulders. Yeah, I guess we don't need a five minute break. So we will go into the game of the episode. Eric. Tonight, tonight's game of the episode is the city lost inside the ice by Vanal. This is a snowpunk setting designed for D&D 5th edition. Um, and by snowpunk, there's snow and there's punk. So it's snowpunk, or is it frostpunkly? Uh, there is something called frostpunk. Uh, it is an existent thing in fiction. Uh, snowpunk probably is intended to mean something very similar, which is basically that the setting aesthetic is heavily based on nice hey lee uh, you forgot to get very, up very on the cold. soapbox i'm not going to <laughs> consider her on the soapbox got Close it. enough right everything punk. okay yeah uh, so. yeah everything punk no what punk means is that the setting has a very specific aesthetic uh, it used to mean i mean it's it all started of course with cyberpunk um and it was a counterculture thing and blah 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 and there's a whole thing long spiel that could be gone into and then it moved into steampunk uh but uh what it has come to mean is that the setting has a very specific aesthetic <laughs> punk punk yes punk punk <laughs> i don't think that they would call that that i think they would just call it punk to be perfectly honest um so in the case of frost punk what it really means is that uh, it's all about the cold it's about how there is snow there is ice you have to deal with that that is an omnipresent problem and uh it implies that part of the issue is resources especially food because it is very difficult to grow food when mm -hmm. there there's snow covering the ground all the time and you never get a summer and anything like that so that's that's what frost punk is basically about this is survival stories for the most part and heat because you need heat right it's kind of like uh um, atmosphere punk is uh, total recall but yeah competition Kinda. for resources and all that okay uh so the rules and material uh all come from the Snowhaven campaign setting for dnd fifth edition um, which you can find on drive through rpg if you want to learn more about it although you don't need to go purchase it in order to play the game. Uh, Snowhaven's a mixture of magic and technology with fantasy and steampunk and Wild West, and technology is there to enable survival. Uh, political factions are fighting for control over the limited resources in the snow and ice theme. Yeah, that's almost exactly what you just said about Frostpunk. Um, it's a dark and lonely world. It will be a dark game... I need the hood back. Dark game to match. <laughs> it will tackle themes of loneliness and isolation. It is not a game of heroism and epic fantasy. Instead, it will be a game of survival inside this place of grim solitude. It's not a combat-heavy game, uh, predominantly story and roleplay-focused experience. Uh, that sounds honestly like my cup of tea. If I wasn't literally full up, this would be one that I would go want to get into in a heartbeat. And a heartbeat's about all you have, because applications close on April 16th, so you have six days from now to get those characters in. Not gonna lie, Eric, I was waiting for you to just do the I am Batman bit. <laughs> I am Batman. I am Batman. I'm Batman! Sorry, <laughs> that dates me too. Jim Carrey. Um, anyhow. <laughs> Alright. So, 
we are going to transition into the free-for-all. In the free-for-all, we answer questions and just generally talk about anything we'd like. But of course, first, we must answer the question, what is making us happy this week? We will start with you, Eric. Because I'm the only one who wrote anything or because I'm the only one who's happy this week? I think probably the second one. Fair <laughs> enough. Okay. Yeah, we'll go with that. Um, so the reason we're having the episode this week instead of last week, well, last week was kind of a debacle um, because I think while I pointed out that it was the Saturday before Easter to everyone on the team, no one realized it until about five days before when Colin said, oh, I'm actually being called to drive across the state to go visit my family for this weekend. And Amy said, yeah, and I need to go drive up to pick up my daughter, presumably to bring her down for Easter dinner with the family. Yeah. Um, which is a four hour drive. So she couldn't do it. And I was flying out. So I was actually closer to Amy than I was to my podcasting equipment. Um, because I was out to visit my sister-in-law and her family and my father-in-law um, and specifically to watch the father-in-law. So the sister-in-law, who's a hospitalist and had been basically doing COVID frontline duty for more than a year, could actually take a vacation. Uh, so the cool yeah. part was I got to see all of them. We're all vaccinated. So no, no, no yep. uh, measurable risk increase. Um, it was really nice to be out of the same four walls for a change. Um, yeah, once I, the vaccine started, it was like, oh, I can't use the excuse I'm not vaccinated to stay away from stuff anymore because I am. Yeah. But, you know, the good thing is you're vaccinated. Yes. Well, halfway. Second shot's next week. I'm okay. happy about that. Yeah, yeah, you'll get there. Uh, I'm I, happy right. about the fact that my second shot is tomorrow. Nice. Fantastic. See, there you go. We were happy about things. Uh, right. Yes, Suck it, Eric. Um, <laughs> look, I didn't say you weren't happy about anything. I simply implied it. I think okay. we uh, I think the, the best part about that week was that there were several days when I really didn't have much else to do because you know, we can only clean the house and, and uh, watch the dad for so long because he doesn't need that much watching. So I got to spend a lot of hours working on Redacted. Yes, Redacted. That yep. project. Oh, man. Looking forward to, to uh, something we'll talk about here in a little bit. Yes. So we can actually talk about Redacted. Colin, what's making you happy? Uh, I've got my second shot next week, and this online semester from hell at university is almost done. I'm not going back. Yeah, you you clearly weren't the student. <laughs> you were you were never the student. Yeah. Yeah. It was never meant to be. But you got the cool job. But yes, I did get a new job finally. It's only been 10 months. Um, and for once, it doesn't seem like there's any fires burning or even red flags. And it's you weird. <laughs> My job is not to start the dumpster Colin. fires. My job is to just point out Run all away. of the fires. You just sniff them like a, like a bloodhound. You're drawn to fires. <laughs> Like a moth to a flame. If I could turn the ability to find dumpster fires into an actual uh, advisor contract type thing, I would Where be making a bank. Oh. Here's everything you've this done wrong. A, Pay this me. This is only a grade two dumpster fire. You have, 
You have a ways to go before you can be a raging pile of... There's a five dumpster scale that they get the review on. Yes. You only have massive HR problems. You don't have actual engineering problems. So your product's going to be good, but your people are going to hate you and leave. Tiff, we can only talk about Redacted so much, but I promise you this, we're going to talk a lot more about Redacted in three months and 14 days. Yes, which brings us to where that will get unveiled, which is at Mythweaver's Meetup Kalamazoo. So, Pandemic postponed it last year, it is not postponing it this year because we can all get vaccinated before the event. Go get your shots. Go get your shots. So, Mythweavers Meetup Kalamazoo is happening July 24th and 25th. It may be found, or, uh, one moment. I didn't actually have this pulled up because I am that awesome. I'm actually going to get this, yeah, displayed. Stand by. Nice dissolve. Hey, there we go. God, Eric. Alright, so we have Mythweavers in-person meetup July 24th and 25th in Kalamazoo, Michigan. This day and a half event will include games, food, and camaraderie. Tickets are $30 if you're just going to come for Saturday or $50 to do Saturday and Sunday together. There is a discount if you're going to be a GM running at least one session at the event. More information is available on the site, and there's a link to the Warhorn registration page. So, just so I can drop it in the Twitch chat. Oh, you're going to drop it? Then I won't. Well, okay, you know. You win. So, there's in the Twitch chat. So possibly shenanigans. Oh, there was definitely shenanigans. There's definitely going to be shenanigans. I would even put a possibly in front of that. Yeah, yeah I mean, look for, at the group. For one, that's I know going. that Colin's gonna. Colin is hosting. Everyone's favorite beard is the host. Lee's gonna be there. I'm, I'm not gonna even gonna there. bring books. <laughs> that's it'll be like sad. it'll be the first convention she goes to where she doesn't have to bring books. That's very true. I don't have to do any I setup know. or anything. If, no work. If we, if we, if we pre-pay <laughs> and ask you to bring books and sign them, oh, geez. would you do that? Yes. Okay. I mean, you could just buy it off of Amazon. I could, but then I wouldn't have the sick. I could, I just could buy it off of Amazon and bring it. And bring it, yeah. So I will say I the food being planned, we don't have the menu ready to release yet, but it's sounding pretty awesome. And so. there will be a food package available too. In, yes. In the ticket price. And it won't be terribly expensive. Nope. Probably be cheaper and easier than going and procuring it yourself, so you're certainly welcome to do so. Yep. Um, the first Airbnb, I think, is completely sold out or has one bed left? That's a great question that I can answer in one moment. I'm sure you can. Yes, Ding will be there. Chimmy will be there. There are... Th- Three spots open. Three spots open in that B&B? Yes. And if you are a one is a couch. Person. One involves bringing sleeping bags. And the third is an available bed for a female. 
Right, because I'm going to be in one of those rooms. Yes, and that would be why. Yep. And you can listen to me gripe about any fictional topic you want. <laughs> That's no, free Lee, bonus we want, right We there. want people to come, not uh, stay oh, away. Oh, sorry. You can uh, ask me any question that you want, and I will not rant at all. Right. Okay, yeah, like Discord then? Yeah, pretty much. This yeah. will be like Discord on steroids. Yes, yes with alcohol with supplied. With alcohol and masks. Yes, yes. And swear words. Swear words will be allowed. I don't have to filter. No. My children can handle it. Everyone that says, oh, well, you know, I was this, I was that, I do this job, I do that job, I have trouble filtering... Two Navy veterans are staff on the site. If Three. we can filter, so can other. Three. Wait, who's. Powder? Oh, yeah, that's right. Powder. We Shanghai powder. <laughs> yeah, he is yeah. staff on the site now. God, we have three Navy vets that are staff. Yeah. What was Rodrigo thinking? Well, I think he wanted the place to be shipshape. God, you had to go there. I did. I hate you. <laughs> and I win. I win. Basil would be proud. <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> I don't want to handle this first. So. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's probably it. what he was thinking, yes. Rigo literally offloaded everything that he didn't want to deal with to people that could be somewhat trusted to do it. Hey, look, I need someone to handle appeals and customer relations. Colin! You know what? I can't even. You can't even argue that because he's like. All no, no, no! Of... I was gonna say that's that's wrong. I can't put that on Rodrigo. Oh, you volunteered, right? Rodrigo was fo- complaining to me about how much dealing with appeals for disciplinary was cutting into his coding time, and I volunteered. And you, like an idiot. And me, all like an like idiot. idiot. All three of us have failed the Navy rule. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we did. Powder still thinks he's getting out. Yeah, no one gets out. Except no in a box. Out. Vampires don't yeah. even get that. Yeah. <laughs> so. There's no escape. I mean, you can die. One of us. Actually, one of us. There's, there's, there's a few people who we haven't intentionally pressed into moderation duty. Mainly because we know that they would all just kill all the members to solve our problems. Lee, <laughs> Lee's on that list. Amy, well, I mean, Amy doesn't do moderation because Jimmy's Amy fine. is, Amy is the ban hammerer. Oh, you want a rage monster? <sighs> no, I mean I wouldn't, I wouldn't kill Jamie. No, no, Amy, <laughs> Amy is the one. Uh, Amy from the start was, you know, I am support side staff. I'm not moderation. We said fine. I know that was a good call. Yep. She angry. <laughs> She takes the mom to the extreme. No, no, you can't. You can't play nice. You're not playing at all. Ding! That is a complete fabrication. I don't use a similar strategy to recruit. Powderhorn can... volunteered too. Powderhorn volunteered. I I can script and call it recruiting. There's a difference. I volunteered for the moderation stuff first, and I was like, oh, yeah, I can do some coding, too. 
and a few years later, switch. like, here's the keys to the kingdom, go fix everything. Yep, yep. Well, and then, I mean, Ding, to be fair, I didn't conscript your wife, she volunteered to help. Mm-hmm. You got shanghai You got shanghai your wife volunteered without restrictions. Anyway, it's going to be a great time. Uh, yeah. And spot, there are a limited number of spots, and they are filling up. So I would suggest going and reserving yours as soon as possible. As soon as you yes. can figure out that you can plan to be there. There's information on hotels on the site. Um, yep. There is actually one. a hotel right next to the venue. So that is an option. Yep. And Kalamazoo is such a lovely time. I, I'm going to have to come with an almost empty trunk even with four people, simply because of all the Michigan stuff that I have to collect and bring back with me. Like, cases of the That burners. sounds like a you problem. Yeah, it is a me problem. Uh, all the brewery hits, Eric, don't forget those. Yeah, yeah, I gotta hit the breweries up too. I got my, gotta get my uh, honeycut mustard, and there's so many things I can only get in oh. one place. Eric, I learned something, by the way. You know the entire song, you know, I Got a Girl in Kalamazoo, which is mm. where pretty much everyone's ever heard that name and assumes that... Uh, it's a fictional place. Yeah. It's a silly uh, place. I got educated yesterday on the history behind that song. Really? Yeah. So, World War II, when you had everyone training at Great Lakes Naval Station in Chicago, they would all jump on the train to go drinking outside of Chicago. And they would usually wind up in Detroit for, you know, a weekend away. But Kalamazoo was the hardcore, you know, stop there, jump off, drink a lot, jump back on to the next stop. Yeah, sounds like a place where you would need to coal. Yep, and magically now Kalamazoo has the second most breweries in the state. Gee, we're, I wonder if this is related. I mean, we're talking a small city. Small city. That has 35 breweries in the county. Sounds and, like a good time to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's good times. Oh, yeah. Rock and rye. Mmm, rock and rye. There you go. That's why you gotta come back, Andrew. Fair enough. Okay, Mythweavers meet up. Yes. Um, well, I mean, we've fun. pretty much been just rambling about that during the free-for-all, so... Pretty much. I blame the Twitch chat for not throwing out questions. Yeah, hey, Twitch chat, it's question time. Give us some questions. I'll be right back while they find some questions to ask. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Colin can't hold his, uh, can't hold his oil. Once you pop the cork... Wireless headsets are great. They really are. How come everyone with psionic powers... Everyone with psionic powers... powers is not bald. Where do you get that? Like, what? is Deanna Troy bald? <laughs> yeah. She's totally not bald. She has the massive the, hair. The psionic power Babylon 5? I don't think any of them were bald. <laughs> it's a rug. <laughs> 
I I think Marina Sirtis would be uh, slightly offended by being depicted as a rug. I mean, She's she may have Wookie. had extensions, but I don't think it was a wig. Um, look, and we didn't even get oh. into superpowers. So I'm th I I think you're thinking uh, too much of um like uh, supers when you're thinking that everyone with psionic powers is bald. Arguably, Doctor Strange has psionic powers, is not bald. True. Okay, yes. Xavier is bald. Furthering that argument, I'm bald, have no powers. Jean Grey no, is not bald. <laughs> the, they, the minority report, I'm pretty sure that they were shaved. Males I tend to be bald. I don't think that they were bald. I believe that they had their heads shaved. Because I Ooh. think in the end... <laughs> I believe at the end, when they are showing the three uh, psionic... What are they? Uh, precogs uh, trying to have a life, I believe they have hair. Because it has grown out. It's been a long time since I saw that movie, though. EDH asking the tough question. Find a darker beer. Actually, you know what? Not even darker. Um, find whatever beer has the highest ABV, and it will probably be within my tastes. Get it, get him the highest ABV IPA. Okay, not an IPA, please. I'm sorry, but... Helen. I can't get you anything here because I'm gonna have to go on a plane. <laughs> no, it's uh, yeah, um. Fortunately, IPAs typically aren't the ultra-high ABVs. No, they were designed to be shipped to India from England. Whereas, my form. tastes tend to be darker beers or ambers or stuff like that. Of course, you also get into uh, stuff like wheat wines. Wheat wines are amazing. Until you try to stand up from your chair after a couple of them, and you can't figure out how you got on the floor. Oops. Wheat wines are glorious, and they are also wine strength, except in a small glass. It sounds like sounds an awful lot like mead. You can really get uh, smashed on mead. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Mead is dangerous just because it doesn't taste like it's strong in alcohol. Mm -hmm. And then, hey, I'm on the floor. How did I wind up on the floor? Oops. You seem right. to have issues with the floor. Yeah, he does. I don't typically. I was good at the pier walk. Jimmy asks, what unique food creation solutions would we see in a ship in Colin's favorite system? Well played. Nice try, Jimmy. He didn't say it. I don't know. Some nasty-looking protein paste, probably. I picture it like the uh, the nutrient food stuff from the Matrix. Bug mash. Yeah. Everything the body needs, none of the flavor you want. Reminds me of Space Ghost. The or, you know, pills. Space MREs. 
They're no different from normal MREs, just in space. Makes them better. Don't eat the cheese spread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> space emus cooked over the reactor core, yes. This is where we get our space hippos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're vegetarians. Space hippos off the starboard bow, arm the harpoons. <laughs> Colin, it always has to be harpoons. It has to be harpoons. I can't get away from the joke, so I might as well embrace it. Why doesn't Lee have a cute little avatar in the corner? Because she doesn't have a chibi yet. Yet. Because Blade is in school? Yes. Mainly Blade is in school. I feel like a Lee avatar would be screaming at something with a bunch of pages. No, no, it would be no. like... It would have to have a scroll on it. <laughs> True. So we're doing a caffeinated squirrel chibi? I guess. I mean, I'm not... I'm decaf, so... No, it has to be a lich. Chocolate. Okay. Squirrel lich. Squirrel lich with chocolate. Doesn't quite squish it. together like Dracolich nearly as well. Squirrelich? 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 take off the L at the end. Squirrelish? Squirrel <laughs> Something with dangerous powers. Who can smile at you while summoning an army of squirrel zombies to gnaw off your kneecaps? That sounds about That was right. one of the scariest encounters I remember. <laughs> was the game. <laughs> <laughs> the first I was in when the squirrels attacked. <laughs> it's like a, the worst kind of swarm that you can think of of squillage. Oh, come on. Well, you can do better than that. At some point, what I really want to play in is just like a one-shot that Butcher and runs in a horror setting. Oh, boy. But it's like it would have to be at like Meetup or something like that because horror games don't translate great to play by post just because... It's atmospheric. Yeah, you can't... It's kind of hard to build suspense for the player. You, can... you have to have a little block at the top of your post that says, okay, go to a room, close all the doors <laughs> and windows, light one candle, put it ten feet behind you, put a stuffed animal in front of it. Now read. Um, Good question. Is Mr. Andrew J, yes. And soft cyberpunk. The answer is yes. Just like there is also hard steampunk and soft steampunk. Um, so Shadowrun is an example of softer cyberpunk because it has magic in with the tech. Whereas there are other kinds of cyberpunk where they are very seriously tech and tech only. Totally and fun. much like steampunk, there are some varieties that have magic and there are varieties that are very seriously, this is steam. There is only steam. And then you, there's also other punks that have the same uh, differences where when they start throwing in the stuff that makes no sense, that's when it's soft. Hats with gears on them just because gears? What? 
Well, that's different. That's an aesthetic issue, and it's actually uh, the steampunk aesthetic is separate from steampunk fiction, which is separate from steampunk gaming. So the aesthetic is a cosplay thing um, and has really nothing to do with any of the rest of it. I know, I know. It just happens to be quasi-Victorian. You know what I would... I still wish the, that... The funny thing about it is that everybody goes for brown because the pictures of the time were in sepia tone. Yep. But actual Victorian clothing was quite colorful. And yes, so it's kind of funny. They used all sorts of terrible chemicals to make those colors. Yes. I mean, they died for those colors. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I do think, you know, since we're on Steampunk one thing I always wish had been turned into a tabletop setting was uh, the old uh, Arcanum RPG video game. It was steampunk industrial revolution in a high fantasy world. And it was it was a phenomenal game. Chimi knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, Arcanum was one of those settings that I think could have become a very fun tabletop RPG, but I I do not have the energy to... Yes, Ogres with Steam Blunderbusses. Yes. But it was kind of a fun thing uh, from the approach, because it's like, oh, you know, you spend all this time investing into technology and all that, well, you can't really do magic so well anymore. Or you're a hardcore magic user, tech tends to malfunction around you. Yeah, they they applied that same type of aesthetic in a couple of other gaming systems that I can think of, where the more you... We talked about it, I think, the last episode. You know, um, blanking on that. Clips face. The, the more you mod yourself with cyber, the, more, the less human you become. Better uh, run is that way, too. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yep. That's exactly. I'm not going to do it in Savage Worlds, Tiffany, but if you want to set it up, I'll play in it. (laughs) Look, how about Terminator? Does Terminator qualify as Cyberpunk? No. No. It doesn't hit transhuman aspects. Right. But is it. But is it hard side? On the harder side, uh, you. They don't really explain the time travel. I mean, mm-hmm. they kind of do in that one, but not really. If you yeah. exclude that, it's definitely hard sci-fi. But right. when you add the time travel, it, you you kind of have. You've you've, yeah. you've crossed the bridge. the The entirety of the movie context, as soon as the Terminator and his adversary are dropped in, is hard sci-fi. But everything yeah. that happened before that is not. Right. I mean, the way that they explain the time travel is actually a very techie explanation. It just makes no sense. Right. And and they don't. They spend very very little time explaining it. And not even. They don't explain it. The famous line is, "I'm not a techie." Yes. Don't they explain it in one of the movies, and everybody hated that movie. Probably. Uh, but but oh, I mean, that's a lot in... like Highlander then in that regard. <laughs> so if you just. If you accept that there's a tech explanation, it really is hard sci-fi because it's it's uh, AIs against humans. But you can't really get more sci-fi right. than that, other than right. being in space. 
Yeah. <laughs> Bill and Ted has the hardest time travel rules. <laughs> no, no, no. The hardest time travel rules are in... Um, oh, man. Why am I blanking? Back to the Future. Yes. No branch offs. It's all one time stream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, hard sci-fi, Jimmy points out, is allowed to do one thing that makes no sense. Yes. And it still can be hard sci-fi. And, and so, but, you know, it depends upon what you consider to be the one thing. Right. I mean, often faster right. than light travel is that one thing. Yeah. Because that makes it convenient to get from world to world. So that you can explore all those differences and settings. And Well, except now it's become, you've got your faster than light, but now they're going at it from a more science perspective. So now that's not even the big thing anymore, and they've found uh, other it's things like proto-molecules. It's been in fiction long enough that I think people just accept, oh yeah, faster than light, that's cool, whatever. Yeah, we'll, de so we'll definitely... Do something bigger and worse. Definitely be able to accomplish faster than light travel in the next 300 years. If we can't, well, we'll just come back in time yeah. with our faster than light travel and fix it so that we did. Obviously. But I think, uh, like, in Star Trek, the one really big thing is the warp core stuff. Right. So, you know. Wait, not the time travel? No, the infinite energy. The yeah. constant Q? Q was I mean, a... the warp core is the infinite energy. That... True. Right. <laughs> Even though you can dump it and still operate the ship somehow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to have to wrap that up there. You're we right. are out of time. Actually, technically we're a touch over time, but we're all having fun. Yes. So That's right. Yep. Subspace. Okay, now that we're leaving subspace, we've come to the outro. Uh, so before we wrap up the show, I just want to remind everyone that Weaving Myths is made possible by our Patreon. If you'd like to support us and get access to the sweet, sweet rewards that are available to you, definitely consider signing up. If you didn't catch us live, thank you to the Twitch chat for being here live. Don't forget that you can post on Mythweavers or on our Facebook page or, uh, or hit us up on Twitter with questions, corrections, or other general correspondence. And in all counts, you can always email us at weavingmythspodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you and can't wait to answer your questions live on air, just like we always do, except when we don't feel like it or when we're bored or when we get distracted. All no, we will answer Squirrel? your questions live. Yeah. Oh, we have a squirrel here today. Do you do a squirrel? <laughs> uh, I'm Eric, and today I've been joined by the one. Been fun, everyone. And Lee. Awesome. Thanks for listening, and keep on weaving those myths. <laughs>